0: you're listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor
1: relations hi everyone on this week's program it's
0: something that's so empowering for an ir professional within your organization because you're truly the only person that can give this information to the executive team
1: From our latest webcast, expert tips on how to leverage stock surveillance data for earnings, targeting, and more. And destination Australia. There's money in the mini-continent. The trick is getting to it.
2: Do take into account the effect that jet lag will have when planning your trip. Travelling business class will make a huge difference to your ability to perform when you arrive in Australia. We've got
1: travel tips on tapping the antipodes. Who should go? Why? And when? First, a look at some of the stories we've been following. Investor activists are easing up on Canada. This time last year, a record-breaking 53 firms were feeling the heat. So far this year, only 44 companies have been targeted. Data provider Activist Insight predicts a total of 49 companies will be targeted this year, the first time the number has fallen below 50 since 2011. More change at NERI. Members elected four new directors at its December 7th annual meeting. Fluor Corporation's Jason Landkammer, Albertson Company's Melissa Plaisance, Open Text Corporation's Greg Secord, and Equinimity's Carol-Marie Negron will all serve four-year terms. They replace Ruth Cotter and Guimard, Denny Kimbrough, and former NERI chair, Feliz Kissel. More U.S. IROs report to CFOs. 57% according to this year's NERI IR Profession Budget and Staffing Research Report. That's up 7 percentage points in 6 years. Just 14% report to the CEO or President. The report also documents a shift in IRO career trends. In 1999, almost half of IROs had backgrounds in corporate finance, a quarter in corp comms or PR, while one in five came from a corporate marketing or sales background. This year, just 28% of IROs reported a background in corporate finance, 18% in communications or PR. Former securities analysts have pushed in to third spot at 14%. Another finding, expanding IR departments. Small-cap teams grew a respectable 28% in the last eight years. But the big boom is at the top, with mega-cap IR departments swelling a hefty 160%. Sector-wise, consumer staples, utilities, real estate, healthcare, and industrials staffed up the most. UK Prime Minister Theresa May wants companies to cool it with the executive pay. A just-released government green paper targets management compensation as part of a governance reform package. May says it's all aimed at keeping businesses focused on long-term value creation in a global economy. And, writes May, commanding public confidence and respect.
0: For many ordinary working people who work hard and have paid into the system all their lives, it's not always clear that business is playing by the same rules as they are. It is clear that in recent years, the behaviour of a limited few has damaged the reputation of the money.
1: It is clear that something has to change. Last July, just after she became Prime Minister, May called for binding annual votes on executive pay as one part of that change. For now, quoted companies' pay policies are subject to a binding vote every three years. But the new Green Paper makes it clear that any annual binding vote may not now be universal – affecting only some elements of pay and only some companies. The paper also considers ways to strengthen governance in big, privately held businesses and promote corporate links with stakeholders like employees and customers. And finally, kudos for excellence. When it comes to IR, few do it better than the team at China Telecom. The Beijing-based Telco took home top honours at this year's IR Magazine Awards, Greater China, held in Hong Kong. China Telecom won the award for Best Overall IR for a large cap. Far East Consortium International topped the competition in the small and mid-cap category. That firm's Venus Zhao, along with Cathay Financial Holdings Sophie Chen, each took home awards for Best Investor Relations Officer. Meanwhile, in Bangkok… Cassacorn Bank and Metro Pacific Investments claimed the spoils at this year's IR Magazine Awards Southeast Asia. Each won distinction for best-in-class IR, and both took home an armful of category awards. Regional portfolio managers and buy- and sell-side analysts voted for contestants in a survey conducted by an independent research company.
0: You know, you're walking into a dark room. <clears throat> you know, that dark room represents who your shareholders are and what's happening day-to-day within the market. And surveillance is essentially the, the switch on, on the wall. You know, it's the light switch. What's happening?
1: Poking around capital markets is dangerous, kids. For LinkedIn Director of Education, Matt Danziger, stock surveillance represents, represents just
0: a very integral um, insights tool that we use you know, pretty much day to day. I just feel that there's so much you know, useful and actionable data that exists in this type of service that I, I can't understand why why somebody wouldn't want to be without it.
1: Adam Frederick oversees Capital Markets Intelligence at IR Software Specialist Q4.
3: Surveillance is often thought of as just that the ability to identify who the major institutional buyers and sellers are, but it really is, is so much more once you get to a, a, the relationship level of it. It's, it's really this idea of being able to take guys like Matt who are. Already, uh, very, very keen and smart at what they do, uh, intelligent at what they do, and, and able to you know really kind of be their backbone or or, or backstop, if you will, of, of information flow. So, being able to give them real time information about what's going on with the stock itself, uh, what's driving performance, what what a lot of those factors may be, and then that that really brings into a brings into a myriad of different things, where either it's real time targeting that they can use that information for, or presenting that information kind of upstream to the senior management team or, you know, monthly or quarterly board reporting, really just anything that has to do with, you know, how, they, how they're how they messaging to stakeholders, whether that's external stakeholders through their shareholders or internal stakeholders.
1: When you're looking for ways to leverage stock surveillance data, the idea is to create a feedback loop. Basically, find out what turns on investors, what doesn't, and where information asymmetries may lurk. Then you shape your communications product appropriately. When it comes to earnings communications, LinkedIn's Danziger says a closed loop puts IROs and senior management in a proactive position.
0: Any investor relations professional understands how how many meetings they do. You know how many requests that come into their office. It constantly feels as though you know throughout the entire open window that you are just consistently talking, talking, talking. And so when we would go to conferences or we would talk with investors that we knew particularly well. We would try to reserve time within our meetings to make sure that we were not just talking for the entire time, but that we were listening to what was resonating with shareholders. And I think that is something that surveillance actually can, can be kind of your, your report card, if you will. You know, there were numerous times throughout any given quarter where we would see, you know, we would be investing a lot of time in particular shareholders and we would start to see that, you know, somebody was buying or, you know, or conversely that somebody was selling And it created a great opportunity for us to, you know, throughout the open window and throughout any given quarter to collect, you know, what we consider to be, you know, the opportunities that the company was was attacking and then to look at the challenges that faced us as well. And so all of these different things relative to, you know, the meetings that we would do, relative to the feedback that we have with investors, and then kind of pairing that with all the surveillance data that we would get, let us know kind of what was resonating well and what wasn't resonating well. And so that would position us particularly well coming into earnings to allow us to craft the script as best as we possibly could to address what those opportunities were and then to head-on address those challenges that we knew that investors were asking about and that we could see was taking place in the day-to-day market flow.
1: They used to say stock surveillance was more art than science. Q4's Frederick calls that notion quaint. He says quantitative analytics has overtaken educated guesswork and notes digital technologies now let IROs track shareholder patterns virtually in real time.
3: What we're trying to do in the industry is harness some of those technologies that are out there, the cutting-edge technologies such as artificial intelligence or machine learning, and harness that with advanced mathematical algorithms to really give you a much more uh, objective point of view. And what that really ultimately allows you to do is these algorithms are models that we have that are looking at trading that are looking at settlement information flow they are rooted in scientific rigor what it's what it's really doing is taking a lot of kind of historical correlations and looking at regression analysis and putting all of this data, uh, I kind of look at it as, as making sausage, if you will. You, you take all the ingredients, you stuff it into kind of a, a, a system, and what what comes out is, you know, this great-tasting sausage. It's kind of the same, same idea, but it's it's with data. So we're taking all these data points from various different realms, whether it be real-time equity trading, options trading, whatever it may be, as well as the settlement data that we've been using now for eons putting that all together through a very rigorous quantitative modeling kind of uh, format. And then that's what ultimately comes through as, as information that is, again, more accurate and more more able to be uh, actionable.
1: For the link between actionable stock surveillance data, the universe, and everything, it's really worth checking out the full webcast. Go to our site and click on More Events, then Past Events. <laughs> Australia. Ever wonder what's down under? Besides guys punching out kangaroos? The punch
2: swivels the roo's head as he throws his paws out to grapple down.
1: Well, as it turns out, there's money. Australia's fund managers oversee assets worth about 2.7 trillion Australian dollars. That's basically 2 trillion in greenbacks. Problem is... You probably can't have any of
2: it. It's not known how much of this is invested directly in international equities, but it's likely only a tiny amount, so don't be too hasty in booking a flight to Australia. Many local fund management businesses simply do not have the mandate to directly invest in global equities. If a portfolio does have a global equities component, often it's allocated to global managed funds based offshore.
1: IR Magazine's Alexandra Kane got to the bottom of the situation, and you can read her Australia Roadshow Report in our winter edition. But hey man, why read when you can listen? What sorts of companies grab Australian investors the most? Listen.
2: There is particular appetite among Australian investors for infrastructure and commercial real estate assets.
1: Why the big focus on infrastructure? Listen.
2: Investment banks in Australia were early proponents of an investment model called public-private partnership, where both government and private funds co-invest and risk is shared. As a result, there's a reasonable cohort of fund management businesses in this market with the skills to analyze global infrastructure assets.
1: When should I visit? Listen.
2: Kathy Kermond from Credit Suisse's Australian Equities Corporate Access Team recommends avoiding the Australian company reporting seasons of February and August, as well as school holidays, which usually fall in January, the first two weeks in April, two weeks in July, the last two weeks of September, and the first week in October. Quote, we can still organise roadshows during these times, but it's not optimal, she says.
1: Wasn't that pleasant? You can download the complete tip pack. Audio article at irmagazine.com. And if you don't subscribe to IR Magazine newsletters, do it now. You'll get a selection of audio articles in your inbox each week. Along with our Australian Roadshow Guide, our latest audio offerings sound out the future of European equity research and the outlook for AGMs around the globe in 2017 in toronto this february 2nd for the ir magazine awards canada book seats online or call bridget toledano she's at 212-430-6861 that's all for this week's ticker podcast thanks for listening in montreal i'm jeff cosette
0: you've been listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.